Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. And this week, I'm joined again by comedian Leanne Lord. Welcome back, Leanne. And also joining me is special guest Phil Plate, the bad astronomer. Well, welcome to the show. Thanks. I got you on the show because I happen to know that you're an expert. I, I, I count myself as an expert in this as well, but you're like a real expert <laughs> in criticizing science in movies. And the, today's show is about science in movies. When do they get it right? When do they get it wrong? The good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, when they get it right is rarely, and when they get it wrong is all the time. So this is going to be pretty, wow. uh, pretty lengthy show. So I suggest everybody. Feature. It's a double yeah, feature. <laughs> sit back and relax, folks. So I, I look at the top five science fiction movies, gross, of all time worldwide, and number one is obvious. It's Avatar. Oh, Avatar. Oh, what's what? what Leanne, what? Go on, please. <laughs> just... Are you jealous that because they were hot women that were blue and you're not blue? Is that the problem? Oh, that is totally not my issue. <laughs> Do you go blue in your comedy? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Not really. My mom comes to my show. She keeps me honest. <laughs> I wonder if the blue, the blue, the, the blue man group. You know that. I wonder if oh, they yeah, had. Sure. So, that'd be cool. They have a lawsuit. Actually, <laughs> that's the problem. So of course there was Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace. So that's Episode Four for those who are not Star Wars geeks. It's episode one that came after episode one, two, three, four, five, and six. Well, I heard they were going to make three more Star Wars movies after the original three, but as far as I know, those were never made, Neil. <laughs> wow. I love ooh, you. <laughs> ooh. Well, let's do these one at a time. Let's go back to Avatar. I, I thought Avatar was fine. I didn't have issues with it. I, I was a little concerned about the unobtainium, like, Ugh. what the hell is that? But otherwise... Uh, Phil, what did you think? Well, unobtainium is a standard science fiction joke. That's been around, I don't even know how long. Well, I apparently remember... it was a serious mineral on this planet. Well, I, I, I think they named it that tongue-in-cheek because it's been used by science fiction authors since the 50s. I mean, I remember reading that as a kid. Okay. And in The Core, they do the same thing. In the movie they, The Core. We'll get to The Core yeah, a little yeah, later. But they, they use that as a, as a shield to protect them from the Earth's heat okay so it's a it's sort of a standard kind of an inside standard joke. standards like yeah. uh placeholder uh name yeah, for whatever something hard, hard to right get, you know to on a, on, on a but you otherwise have issues with it nine foot blue people on a on a planet moon i actually uh i haven't seen the movie wow <laughs> Oh, I, yeah, I, think, no, okay. I think that's forget, all that needs to be said, yeah, quite well, frankly. Yeah. Well, forget you then. Oh, Leanne, how'd, how'd you do with, with Avatar? Uh, I, I would have liked to have seen a script. That would have been nice. Some real writing, you know, all the writers in the world who are unemployed. Didn't, it would have been nice. Spend 15 years making this movie? They did. And they like spent at it. At no point did, did nobody say, you know, maybe this needs a script? That's, that's what bothers me most. All these wonderful, well, quote unquote, wonderful uh, science fiction effects, these special effects, and not one writer. The writers go, like, go to the meetings, dude. Everybody's unemployed. They're all unemployed. <laughs> Everybody okay. would have signed on. <laughs> I tweeted about it, and and I remember saying this is this movie. The recipe for it is like three parts: The Matrix, two parts: Pocahontas, and because there's a lot of sort of uh, evil Westerners taking over the native culture that's all connected to nature. It was and, very subtle. And Fern Gully, that's what everybody was telling me. And I saw Fern Gully with my daughter when she was uh, very young, and it, everybody said it's exactly that movie. And and there they were with USB ponytails because they take their ponytail, <laughs> plug it into the plants. <laughs> And then they became one with the plants, electrochemically 
one. Normally, with them. people connect with plants and then become one with something else. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, by I've, smoking the plants. That's yes. how I've heard. I've heard about this. <laughs> wow. at least, yes. And now that's a different show as well. <laughs> so, how about Jurassic Park? That one is everybody's favorite. You know, how do you feel about that? I have to distinguish between a movie I really enjoyed mm-hmm. and and the scientific accuracy of a movie, and I can I can do that. Okay, could, did, you know, did, why didn't Jurassic Park do both? Uh, well, because the science in it was silly. Uh, <gasps> uh oh, yes. you know what? No, yeah. no, please. I'm no, kidding. no giant dinosaurs. Sorry. Wow. Um, it, incredibly enjoyable movie. Fantastic special effects. Great soundtrack. I like John Williams. Uh, but being able to extract DNA from a mosquito's stomach just doesn't work. It's sort of like well, it doesn't taking, work yet. It won't work at all. I mean, basically, what what your stomach is designed to do is take substances from other things and plants digest and animals, them and digest them no no it's, but it just know. no I, I thought they they covered their ass on that oops my last <laughs> okay. they covered their their buttocks on that their one because the they showed the the mosquito freshly sucking the blood of whatever dinosaur it was and at moments after that a bead of of sap covered over the uh, uh, covered over the mosquito so it got trapped <laughs> with undigested blood in its Is belly that what happened? yes oh i just thought he had stomach issues and that's what <laughs> i was now and you know what? I'm not a biologist. Mm-hmm. Do red blood corpuscles have DNA? Mm. They don't have a nucleus, do they? Mm. And this is but where they're... we need a call in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you're out there in, on Twitter, tweet uh, us. Yeah, t- <laughs> Um, so here's now I have colleagues at the museum who study amber, right? Because the okay, mosquito sure. was trapped in amber. And they said the best amber for this sort of thing is in New Jersey. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. So, but in the movie, they showed him going to some exotic island oh, I and see. plucking yeah. it out of a cave or wherever. So it just would have looked a little less interesting if they went to Hackensack, you know, to get the. I see. Well, or, amber is orange, right? So yeah. how you know they tell they is, could go to New Jersey? Amber is amber. So they, missed, amber color. So so they, they missed an opportunity there. to tie this in with the Jersey Shore. There is you that go. what oh, I mean? oh. Snooki is sort of the same color, I Yes, think. and yeah. you, we would like to see her encased in amber. That would be lovely. <laughs> so how about Transformers? What would you think of that? Okay, perfect example. I really enjoyed this movie. People were going crazy. Now, I was, I, I'm a little bit too old to have really gotten into the, the TV show, because I think that was in the 80s, and by then I was already moving on to, to different shows. Which was back when it was just a, it was just a, a vehicle to sell a product. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I figured, hey, giant robots beating the crap out of each other. And you know what? That's what I got. Kicking butt, taking awesome names. flick. And it was a funny movie. I really enjoyed it. Uh, the science of it was pretty silly, because you've got this object which evidently has a huge amount of mass, and they shrink it down until it can fit in your hand. And somehow all of the mass went away. You know, they they were picking up and walking around. It was like a, some sort so you of, had mass issues. Yeah, it, exactly. Uh, that was a pain in the mass. If that's what you <laughs> pain want to in the go mass. Very nice. This thing's down the size of a Rubik's cube, and it should weigh as much as a mountain. And they're just w- running around with it. Now maybe it has special inertialist powers. Ant- Anti gravity. Yeah, yeah. Because when you shrink things, they never say that. Yeah, though. they never say that. But what I liked about it was how they constructed the cover up for it. I thought that was great. That's why they built the Hoover Dam. Because yeah, that's yeah. when they came, and that's where we got all of the high-tech discoveries from right. reverse engineering these Transformers from another planet. I thought that was a sure. cool sort of backstory to make that happen. Yeah, and I, I thought it was fine. Now, the second movie uh, was uh, not as good. Okay, so we'll continue. <laughs> in, in that, that. It, was, it was terrible. <laughs> you know, there was a NASA panel that got together to decide, I guess for the guidance of others, what the five best science-based movies of all time are. And Transformers was on that list. No, it was so not on that list. But one of them, one of my favorite movies, a lower budget one, was Gattaca. Gattaca, right. remember that? Very good flick. Yeah, very good flick. And you know the title of that movie, 
is spelled by the letters of the amino acids that are the protein of life, the proteins of life. Right. Yeah. I gotta I, write that down. <laughs> yeah. What else could they spell? Is he tacked? Yeah. So, so can you recite that? There's gua- guanine at, at, at guano. No, that's that's later. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's um, cytosine. Cytosine. Thiamine, or is that a that's a that's thymine. And you guys are professional. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't know this. I have an excuse. So, so for those who hadn't seen yeah. Gattaca, it's a story where you where where you can get your DNA selected for you so that your offspring can get the best possible version of the you and your mate that, that is possible. Ooh. I mean, that is possible that you can possibly construct out of it. So they're not engineering DNA. They're simply... New DNA. They're simply assembling all the features that you want to have in your children from what already exists in your genetic profile, and so it's basically a genetically engineered society, but not outside of the bounds of what you could have produced otherwise. Right. And the story becomes when everybody is genetically engineered to be superior, there are people who are not, and how do they survive? Who are not engineers? How do they? Yeah, because they're not as smart. They're not as quick. They're not as they smell worse. You know. Clearly, this is not going to be covered in everybody's health plan. This is going to be. That's a hell of a deductible. (laughs) So it's it's now what was not a follow on to that, but was basically the same movie, but with a much higher budget. Was the island. Which I thought was a high art. The way they filmed it, the co- the concepts, the the emotion, the the drama. That was Scarlett Johansson, wasn't it? Well, I think she in was movie, in it. Yes, yeah, is I, that all you remembered from yeah, the movie? No, well, the thing okay. is, I never saw it, and she was in it, and so that might tell you, you know, something about this movie. <laughs> no, actually, I thought it was well, I thought it was well done. In this really? case, okay. you can genetically engineer your twin, but the twin does not come into being at birth. They can be born as adults. And then they live out their lives, and they are, they are all you harvested for whatever organs you might need later in life. And they don't even know it. They're kept they're kept in an on an island. Wow. Uh, well, on an on an on an intellectual island. They don't know where they are. They think they're on an island, and they just live out their lives. And there's a there's a fake disaster outside of this island where they're not. If they went out, they would die. So they all believe that they're safe, but then they they're told that there's a they created a safe haven for them, but not everyone can go. So when their lottery number comes up, then they can go. But that means yeah. it's ready. The they get harvested. Are, they get harvested. This sounds yeah. like part Logan's Run, part Lost, <laughs> and part Clonus. The 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 uh, parts the Clonus horror. I don't know if you ever saw this. A terrible seventies movie. The, the, where a they terrible seventies movie. Yeah, what are the I'm, odds? I, uh, hard to believe, isn't it? But you know, I always wonder about this. You know, why grow a whole person? That seems like an awful lot of trouble. That's to a good get point. A finger. Yeah, you know? yeah. Just, but, oh, I chopped my finger off making you know a make, salad, and and I'm gonna have to kill this person. To yeah, get but if you're finger. right-handed, you want that finger back. <laughs> well, yeah, but I would just grow a finger. Yeah, you just grow the finger. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Th- this all the histrionics of the whole person is so is so out there. Now another movie. I think one of my one the best. I think it's the best film of the 90s, uh, maybe second only to The Matrix in my sort of sci-fi opinion, is Contact, the yeah. Carl Sagan story, Contact. <gasps> that got it. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think we found Sagan. a fan. Oh. <laughs> he, he's your boy. He's your, yeah. you, you, you are you, so cool. <laughs> I am totally You like those turtlenecks. Yeah. You like those turtlenecks. So it's his story, so and <laughs> it, 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 re, it, re, it thinks through what it would be like to make contact, mm-hmm. first contact with intelligent life that's out there and i think what they put a lot of effort into was capturing how the public would react to such a discovery and how crazy people start out crazy now 
you add this element on it, we make contact with an intelligent species, and then the crazy becomes crazy squared. Right. So how, how did you react to it? When I, you... I thought it was great, but I've, I read the novel. The novel is even better than the movie. The ending of that novel still gives me chills when I think about it. And it, the, part of the beauty of that movie is how they detect the civilization, how the civilization communicates with us, how that all works, is, is really quite possibly how it would happen. How, of course, I, I, it's based on Sagan's work. So, I, so I, I, I agree with that. We're wrapping up our first segment here. We're going to go through the good, the bad, and the ugly. You're listening to Star Talk Radio. Back in a moment. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more... FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Star Talk, we're back. Today's special guest is Phil Plate, who is a commentator extraordinaire on science fiction films. And we're joined again by Leanne Lord. We're talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. We're still in sort of the good segment of movies. Contact is up there among the best movies, I think, that capture the science. And it also captured, I think, the social, cultural reactions to the discovery of life in the universe. Uh, did you otherwise have any issues or problems with the science as captured there? Uh, there was one or two, just one or two small mistakes. Like what? Like what? Um, I think it was when Jodie Foster is talking to Matthew McConaughey in the movie, and she's trying to describe how many stars there are oh, and how oh, many civilizations oh, I, there are. I, I, go on, go on, go okay. on. I, go and she says if, 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 if there are a hundred million galaxies out there and if one in a million has... No, 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 I got it. I, no, okay, no, you know it? You know okay, I, got, I don't have the quote. No, I'll tell you why I got it. Okay. Because I was at the world premiere in Pasadena, and Jodie Foster's two rows ahead of me, and I've got 
the guy whose equation they're verbally capturing, this is Frank Drake, Frank Drake is two rows behind me. <laughs> this is the equation that estimates how much life there might be in the universe. And Jodie Foster getting inch by inch closer to Matthew McConaughey with the sky in the background, Arecibo Observatory. It's, it's a romantic moment in anticipation of their first kiss, basically. And she says, if they're... If, if there, <laughs> he can hardly hold. She hold, says, hold it back here. Of the of the hundred billion stars in the galaxy, if only one in a million of them had planets, and only one of the million of those with planets had life, and only one of the million of those with life had intelligent life, that still leaves millions of planets to find. I think that's right. That sounds right. If yeah. you do the math, that leaves point oh oh one planets. The yeah. division was wrong there. You're ruining a romantic moment with math. Well, then, I, so I got all upset about this because because this is simple arithmetic. And Jodie Foster went to Yale last I checked. And don't they have arithmetic at Yale? So she should have turned to a director and went, "Cut! I can't do this. This <laughs> isn't right. I'm in my trailer." So I mentioned this to her at the after party. I said, "Jodie, you got this wrong." She said, "Oh, I worked so hard to memorize that that line." And and so, so it meant it was just a line rather than an actual mathematical statement. Right. And so then I thought maybe they could just put other words inside, you know, like Forrest Gump style. You just sort of change the words with the image. But no, they just left it in because the very next scene was them, the two of them waking up in bed. So they, this, <laughs> this is what got her laid at Lies. that moment. It was Lies. bad math. Bad math. You know, it, it never did that for me, and I'm pretty bad at math. Now, I'm thinking if you if you talk about every galaxy in the universe, there are about 100 billion galaxies. 100 in the billion, sure. With 100 billion stars in them each, that's 10 to the 22. And she had three factors of a million. That's 10 to the 18. That would leave thousands. Thousands if she uh, did that for all the stars in the, in the, universe. In the universe. But she started with the galaxy. And yeah, that's why so, that and it's still issue. wrong because wow. it would be thousands, you know not millions. You guys are right. That is sexier. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You is like it warm in here? Yeah. <laughs> oh, if only this were television and not radio. You should see her right now. She's fanning Leanne herself. Is, Leanne is feeling it. Uh, another one. Uh, how about uh, one of my favorite of the good movies is Deep Impact. Absolutely. I love that. Oh, yeah. Got all the good science. And, and what I liked about that is they understood that if, you, if you're if you going to get hit by an asteroid, you'll probably get hit in the ocean. Right. Because Earth is a 70% ocean surface. And, of course, all the producers want to destroy the cities. You know, so but you can still do that. You do it with a tsunami, as they did right. with New York and other sort of major coastal properties. But what was your reaction to it? I thought Deep Impact was a terrific movie. I I think the screenplay was written by a scientist, mm -hmm. uh, and, and uh, very very much uh, of the movie is is quite accurate. My favorite scene. I was watching this in the theater. My favorite scene is when they go to the comet. And in, in other movies, they might land on it. But in this one, because a comet, even though it's 10 miles across, it's you know, roughly the size of a large mountain or bigger, the gravity of a comet is very weak. So you can't really land on it. So instead, they, well, they no, pull you up could, next but you to do, it. You couldn't. It'd be hard to stay there. Stay there. Yeah, yeah, you know? a, gust of, a breeze would blow you into orbit. Yeah, if, if, right. if a little bit of the comet evaporated, it would puff you away. So instead, they, they park near it and then shoot uh, basically Harp harpoons. harpoons or pitons. And then, oh, there's a word for it. What is and it? Then they, they wait, 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 wait. What's the word? Isn't it pitons when you like are climbing a mountain or something like oh, that? Oh, so I'm a city person, so oh, okay, I have that's no right, idea yeah. that that's and I, the And right I live word. in Boulder, and I actually don't know, so I'll probably get thrown out of the out of the town now. And then they basically winch themselves down to the comet. And I was like cheering in the theater, and I'm surprised I wasn't escorted out of there as So well. they got their gravity right, is that what you're saying That was fantastic, there. yeah. That, that was good. And, and I actually use the uh, tsunami scene when I give public talks about asteroid impacts because it is so well done and so accurate. Mm -hmm. And I tell people that it, they might even be under underestimating the damage from an impact like this. And you got to admit that 
that portrayed, I think, the best president there ever was in a movie. In uh, fact, Morgan yes. Freeman as president was so convincing and so uh, authoritative, and he he was played that role just the way you would want a president to be. What, Leanne? No, I was just asking. Is anybody bothered that natural disasters of this magnitude always seem to happen on a black president's watch? Anybody? <laughs> anybody? Am I being All, a good always? <laughs> um, yeah, I was on. I was on. Danny Glover, he was president. Something went down. I oh, mean, that's true. Anybody? Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm going to too many rallies. In 2012, was the president black in 2012? No, I don't remember. Do we see a I, president? I in blacked most of that movie out. Wow. It's a three-hour movie. I remember like four seconds of it because I think that's we'll how get long to the it, plot that, actually lasted. We'll get to 2012 because that's okay. in the bad section. Oh my yes. word! Okay, is but it I, really? I, Kidding. But I do want to add with <laughs> wow, Deep Impact. Deep Impact made one one mistake that was kind of a big one, and that is when they they blow up the big piece of comet. It's about five miles across and they blow it up. It actually disintegrates and still all the pieces hit the Earth's atmosphere and burn up. And the problem is that's still going to kill everybody because the energy of an impact of an object depends on its mass and its velocity. It's the kinetic energy. And when they blow this thing up, the mass hasn't changed. It's just in small pieces. And the velocity hasn't changed either. So the total mass, excuse me, the total energy that's released by this impact is exactly the same. It's just spread out over more area. So in the end of Deep Impact, really everybody should have died anyway. Bumming us out. Yeah, yeah. sorry. So, that, so no then, residuals for anybody. On this movie <laughs> that's well. true. So, you know, but, but one thing I do love about that movie wait, wait, is... It is uh, possible, wait, wait, wait. It okay, is possible okay. that if the pieces are small enough, they'll burn up in the upper atmosphere and their heat radiates back into space. Whereas if the whole thing gets through, then all the energy goes to Earth's surface. Maybe. Maybe. But we're talking about an object that is five miles across. Yeah. So I'm still thinking that even if, even if a frac, uh, like 5% of it, Dumps its heat into the Earth's atmosphere. We it's, are it's still a bad day. Truly screwed. It's yeah. still you basically get flash cooked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It would bad. Yeah. Well, SPF for that. Eh? <laughs> SPF <laughs> a billion. Yeah. So what else do I got here? I got my list here. Uh, is there any particular? What's your favorite science fiction movie of all time that got the science right? Is oh, it in this oh, they list? Got the we science just, right. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I, Deep Impact is way up on the list. Mm-hmm. Contact is way up on the list. Uh, Two thousand one has. Really accurate science. It has its errors. I, I know a couple of errors in science. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, but, Tell me but why. Well, let's they go back are and forth. So nitpicky. Let's go back and forth. Okay. And who the last man standing wins? Okay, go. Oh, Pick man. one. Um, go. 2001: A Space Odyssey. 1968 was it? 68, 69. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Stanley Kubrick. Uh, when they're on the moon and they go to uh, Tycho Base yes. and they show the Earth over the horizon, yeah. uh, it's too close to the horizon. Too close to the horizon. Yeah, it would Earth be never, much higher up. Earth never sets um, from the near side of the moon. Right. So they got the, but did it fit nicely in the frame? Oh, well, sure. That's a, that's a canonic scene. Okay, so right? then it's not a mistake. They took some creative liberties to make the scene look cool. I don't count if that as a mistake. If by that you make mistake, then yes, we agree. I, 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 that, that's a creative mistake rather than a, that they don't know what they're doing mistake. I'm glad you agree with me. One for me. Go okay, ahead. Okay, good. If you calculate <laughs> the rotation rate of the space station yes it is three times too fast for the gravity to make one g on board the space station I, on board the rotating i've done that calculation i think that's right yeah yeah, yeah three it's times too fast it's 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 way too fast but it looks nice yes so i'll give him that because if it went slower you, it's too slow and it's too the movie's already kind of slow in those <laughs> scenes it would match the pace slow. of the movie <laughs> yeah. i watched that movie when it came out and i think i'm still watching it that's how slow that movie is okay. all right so good your turn. You want nitpicky? Yes, go. When Haywood Floyd mm-hmm. uh, is on the Pan Am shuttle, Pan mm-hmm. Am, which is now out of business, yes. by 2001, actually, and he's on his way to the space station, I think it was, they give him some food, yes. and he slurps it up through a straw. Mm-hmm. The 
the the level of the drink or the or whatever goes back down when he releases with his mouth, and that happens because of gravity. I believe it happens because of gravity on the Earth. I can actually explain that though. If the food is in sort of an airtight container, then air pressure is all you need to suck it back down the straw. And I've I've gone back and forth. Wait, what you're saying is that people, he's he's in zero g. He's on in that zero trip. g. That's so right. therefore, the liquid should just stay up in the straw. I think so, but I'm not sure if he's if he's drawing it up through a, a container, then the pressure gets lower. It would go back down, but it's arguable either way. The rebuttal that I heard was that he just simply blew it back down. Really? Okay. That's the rebuttal. But I think air pressure would do it. I think that's one of those marginal. Mm. Oh, air pressure inside the the, the the vehicle itself. Yeah. 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 Okay. Your uh, turn. Science Micah. Smackdown. I am <laughs> loving this. I'm trying to remember the movie. Right okay, now. I got one. You ready? Yeah. The monolith is supposed to have zero albedo. If yeah. you read the novel, okay. That's right. Yet all images of the monolith, you can see the edge between one side and the other. Right. Which implies that it reflects differently on one side than the other. Whereas it has zero albedo, all light that hits it is absorbed. And you would not be able to see an edge uh, with a slightly different reflectivity than you, as you do in the film. Albedo being the reflectivity. Zero is perfectly black. White perfectly, is perfectly black. Perfectly white. Um, you might be able to explain this as a phase effect. If the light hits it at a different angle, then it might reflect off because albedo does depend on, on the... This is an alien zero albedo. There's not. They'll get it. They'll get every light that hits it. Okay. It's an alien thing. All right. I'll I'll give you that one. You give me that. Okay. Your turn. Uh, I'm trying to. It's been so long since I've seen the movie. Um, Haywood Floyd is played by a different actor in 2010, the sequel. He's younger. You have an issue with Roy Scheider? No, I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think something. I don't know. Uh, I'm desperate. Okay. We'll. I'll give you time. Oh, actually, you know what? There's a scene in the moon bus when they go from the moon base Mm -hmm. to see the monolith, and it's unclear whether they're actually in a ballistic trajectory, Mm -hmm. or or just like like using rockets or or jets to suspend themselves. When we come back on Star Talk, we'll talk about the bad ones in the good, the bad, and the ugly of science fiction films. Be there. Just to finish out the good before we get to the bad of science in science fiction films, I got to give a shout out to the animated feature Chicken Little when the sky was falling. I got to give a shout out. Didn't see that coming at all. That <laughs> wait, Chicken Run or Chicken Little? Chicken, not Chicken okay. Run, which I enjoyed. That yeah. was the. With, it's not in the notes, people. With the Wallace and Gromit, <laughs> uh, Chicken uh, Chicken Little, words the sky is falling. All right, so how does the sky fall in the movie? They're aliens who come to visit, and they replace the sky with these tiles that are hexagonal because they'd have to be to tile a surface. No other shape, well, square can do it, I guess, and triangles, but how many shapes can do it, can tile a surface? It's like a three. hemispherical surface? Yeah, not very Well, if it's many. a big enough hemisphere, you if, can if make If they're it. all the same shape, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they have, he- they have hexagonal shapes, and the way they work is it's a, it's a, it's a piece of hardware that carries forth the image of what's behind it. So if you drop one of these on the floor, you say, oh, that's a hexagon. A few seconds later, it reads the entire carpet pattern, makes that the upper surface, and so therefore it looks like it, it disappears. Right. So you don't even know you're walking on these tiles. So the entire so what had happened was Chicken Little saw one of these hexagons accidentally fall out of the sky. So the aliens were doing something. I don't know what it was. But I just thought that they had to put in some kind of 
topo- topology, some geometry, and just a little shout out to and Chicken Little. And a clever little. idea. That's actually pretty good. It is. Yeah, and and like he's that. got one of these, and he, he plays with it. He puts it in front of his bed, and it disappears, and it becomes... It looks like his bed on his floor and his his cabinet. So anyhow, just a shout out. I can find a lot of uses for something. Like Let's that. go I'm to the, sure bad. the military could too. I've got I've I've got Phil Plate here, the bad astronomer, Leon Lord, comedian. Uh, Twenty twelve, the movie. Phil. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I didn't um, mind. I didn't mind the science. It was a neutrino transition out of the sun. Was which was a new. Decay of the neutrino that a neutrino that gets absorbed inside the earth, heating the earth from the inside out. I didn't have a problem with that. Really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> really? Okay. And our time is up, folks. Thanks for listening. My to... big problem is the premise that a limo could somehow save you under these conditions. Well, the seventy-fifth time that John Cusack and Amanda Peet narrowly escape a crack opening up underneath them as they're running away. So, uh, but I, you know, this idea of neutrinos are subatomic particle. They are uh, it, they, they move in such a way that they don't interact with normal matter very well. So you, the, the the thing that most people say is they can pass through a light year of lead without interacting with it. And and, and honestly, that's that's not so far off. And so these things pass through the earth. There there are millions of neutrinos passing through you right now. They pass right through you. You don't you don't even know it. Is that what? And then, yeah, oh, that, 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 you, you that, felt that? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And and the point is the neutrinos don't know it either because they're not interacting with you. Exactly. Okay. And so for them so they, to actually interact with the Earth is kind of kind of ridiculous. They invented a new transition of the neutrino state that does interact with the Earth. Once you buy into that premise, yes, the Earth would be heated from the inside out. I don't have an issue with that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to agree to disagree. Okay, how about the core? Neil's wrong. How about um, the core? That I think we can agree with. Um an enjoyable movie, liked the acting, liked it. I thought it was really funny and enjoyed it. Uh, just terrible. There's a science in it was just terrible. It, the idea was that the Earth's core stops rotating. And, and somehow this is uh, collapsing the Earth's magnetic field, and it lets uh, dangerous things from the sun. Evidently not super neutrinos in this case, but other things happen. And the, the, oh, because the, the magnetic field would normally protect us from these dangerous exactly. forces from and, the sun. And there are problems with this in that the core can't just stop rotating. Um, and even if it could, it, I don't think it would really matter. But then what they show, the Earth's magnetic field uh, not working anymore, what was starting to hit the Earth were microwaves. They specifically say microwaves. And there's the scene with the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, and these beams are coming down and boiling the water and doing stuff like that. And it's like, well, you know, microwaves aren't affected by magnetic fields. Microwaves are just another form of light. They're not particles. And so they're not deflected by the Earth's magnetic field at all. We can have one or not. Microwaves from the sun are still coming. And even if they are, it's not like your microwave oven. The sun barely puts out microwaves at all in, in that case. They can't cook anything. So that whole thing was just wrong from top to bottom. So one of the worst, and in fact, on a NASA panel, they judge that as one of the worst science movies of all time. I'm, I'm not surprised. And as an astronomer, I could watch it and enjoy it. All of my friends who are geophysicists. Yeah, I got some of them, too. Yeah. They, 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 couldn't, they couldn't stand it. Yeah, wow. they, they felt yeah. the same way therapy? about that movie. They needed therapy. <laughs> they, needed, they so needed therapy at the end of that movie. It's yeah. wrong. It's wrong. Yeah, and, and there, I mean, there were some, honestly, some good scenes. But I, Now they know what we feel like, because more of the sci-fi movies mm-hmm. are, are cosmic rather than geological. Right. And, cause, and they have to saying, oh, you're just overreacting. No, we were not. When, no, no. Yeah. See, well, you, know, you see? What's that? What? I mean, it, that brings up, for me, uh, an interesting point. Does anyone, when they're writing this stuff, ever say, hey, I should 
call somebody and, you know, do a little fact-checking, <laughs> do a little background. You know? Apparently not. Okay. Well, the guy who wrote the core, now, I may be misremembering this, but I believe he had a master's degree in, ge- in geophysics. And that explains a lot about our education system. Well, oh, good, I, good. I, don't, good. I don't know if I would say that. The, pro- well, the problem here is, is Hollywood, right? You, you, set, you hand in a script yeah. and then 50 other people rewrite it. That's and, true. And See, siding with the scientists, assuming that the scientists got it right and that Hollywood messed it up. That's very possible. I, that I, betrays your profession. i got to stick by my... <laughs> stick by your peeps. peeps, yeah. Your peeps. How about Armageddon? That's everyone's favorite movie to hate. Um, I, you know, by the end of that movie, I, w- I was rooting for the asteroid. <laughs> um, I have I have never seen a movie with more mistakes in it in my Give life. Give me your top three mistakes. I, I, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I, I, I simply... The credits. I mean, wow. there, there are... <laughs> the spelled names. This, this movie has more mistakes than frames. I, it, from the opening <gasps> scene where they talk about the dinosaur killer impact with Charlton, Charlton Heston narrating, and they say the explosion was the force of 10,000 atomic bombs. And it's like, no, try 10 billion atomic yeah, bombs. it was way more you know, than that. Yeah. Unbelievable in a movie where they're trying to they exaggerate everything in the movie. The one thing that's actually scientific, they screw it up and underestimate it. And they underestimate yes. it. So that's how bad it was. They didn't even get the thing that they should have gotten right, right. Right. And, and so you've got this asteroid the size of Texas discovered 18 days before impact. They're going to blow it up with a bomb, split it in half, and the two pieces are going to expand far enough, fast enough. And by the way, an asteroid the size of Texas, the asteroid the size of Texas, we would have found that 200 years ago. Exactly. That's a huge so that's asteroid. Like big mistake. They're, the, the biggest asteroid in the solar system series is eh, roughly the size of Texas. Yeah. And it was discovered in 1801. Right. So, you know, yeah, anything like that we'd see. If it, were, if it took 18 days to get from the asteroid belt to the Earth, it would be moving faster than any spacecraft we've ever launched. I mean, that's hugely fast. It's and meanwhile, of they're, send, of they're sending the space shuttle, which has which is not equipped to go beyond a couple hundred miles above Earth's orbit, that's sending that out to the deep space. Oh, but this was the X-35 secret military space shuttle. Oh! With, you know, and so, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, God. Okay. And, then, and then they're going to blow it up with a bomb that's going to split it in half with the two halves separating and missing the Earth. You can calculate the energy of that bomb roughly. It's, it's, you have to make some estimations, but you can do that. And it would actually explode with the same energy that the sun emits and so we don't have a bomb like that that's <laughs> that a, we know of. It, it that we a, know it's a hundred million gigaton bomb i think is the number i'm something <laughs> like that gigaton. It's like, yeah oh. it, that would be that's bad i mean in a word that would be bad bad, um, bad bomb and so, you know, at that point when Ben Affleck was crying, at that point I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Ben. Uh, you know. <laughs> so, so, and, and, it's, and it's Bruce Willis saving the world, you know? I, you know Cracker Jack oil drillers. I want to like Bruce Willis in this movie. Liv Tyler is in this movie and I didn't that, like that it. That made it work for me, uh, I think. You know, uh, that was working. And you know what? It is a funny movie. I have to admit, it's, it, there, there are enjoyable moments to it and everything like that, but... Honestly, it's you know a friend of mine likened it to having a steel pail put over your head and somebody hitting you with a wrench for two hours. And that's that's really it. That's pretty specific. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. now, but I thought if actually it was written in a rather witty way, there was a lot of good one-liners. It was kind of fun and jocular. Would you agree? Yeah. I'm twisting your it's arm really, on that one. I mean, when Steve Buscemi gets space madness, and you know, why is there a machine gun on a shuttle? What do they need this for? <laughs> uh, All right. So now, okay. So you vetted. I got to vet on another vent. I've got to. You vet, okay. vetted your venting. I'm going to do this. <laughs> okay. I actually have a run in with Jim Cameron regarding Titanic. 
I know the story. You know the story. I like Did this. You, this may is I a tell good the story? May I tell the story? It's a good story. I was one of the last people to watch the Titanic in the movie theater, and I'm watching it, and there, there, there's Kate Winslet. Okay, the ship sinks. She's on the on the flow on the on the plank, looking up, singing deliriously, looking up into the sky. We know the day, the time, the the year, the location, the longitude and latitude of where the Titanic sank. There is only one sky she should have been looking at as she looked straight up, and it was the wrong sky. It was not only the wrong sky, the left half of the night sky that she looked at was the mirror reflection of the right half. It was not only the wrong sky, it was a lazy sky. Cameron cheaped out. Man, and I don't, I don't, mind, you, I don't mind you being loosey-goosey, except that the entire marketing premise of that film was on the accuracy of the details of the ship Titanic because he had a submersible and went down there and got knew what the sconces, wall sconces look like and the china patterns and the staterooms. If you're going to boast about that, something I can't double check, and you're going to on the sky, which you can double check with a cheap planetarium program you put on your computer, I was pissed off. You told him. When we come back, I'm going to tell you what happened when I told this, <laughs> when I got up in the face of Jim Cameron when we come back to Star Talk Radio. This is Star Talk Radio. Welcome back. So, where did we leave off? Well, first of all, you, you can follow us, friend us on Facebook. I guess it's now like us. I think is what yeah, it's yeah, called. When oh yeah, you got to like us. Well, just find us. We're Star Talk Radio, and we tweet at Star Talk Radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tweet at Neil Tyson, and we got Bad Astronomer tweeting and Leanne Lord just bringing our piece I, of the universe. And I, and I just tweeted. So excuse me. You, oh, right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so is that what that was? Okay. <laughs> Thought that was neutrinos passing through. Okay. So where did we leave off? I think I was telling my, retelling my encounter with Jim Cameron regarding yes. Titanic. Encounter. Yeah. Sounds like a throwdown. It was. It was so a smackdown with Jim Cameron. <laughs> so had he not made any premise of accuracy in his film, I would not have cared. I would have just said, "Fine, he made up a sky. I'm not going to lose sleep over this." So it was a matter of inconsistency in delivered product. So I went. I, I met him in California. We happened to be attending the same conference, and I came up to him, and I was polite, and I said, uh, Mr. Cameron, you know, Titanic's great, and I understand, right, right, fine, but I wanted to call something to your attention. The sky that was above the sinking ship was the wrong sky, and I was wondering what you... And I wanted him to grovel at my feet, right? It's what I wanted to have happen in my immaturity. And he said, oh, actually, that was done in post-production, and so that must have slipped by. That was so honest and simple, but still I was left unfulfilled. I wanted him to beg forgiveness, but I had no rejoinder at that point. Three years later, I would see him again. He would be visiting New York, getting getting an award from Wired Magazine. And their party was in the Hayden Planetarium Hall of the Universe. And they invited me just as a courtesy. It was a rental, but they invited me as a courtesy. I'm having dinner with the guy. The wine is getting poured. There's only eight of us around the table. And I said... I got to bring this up again because wow. <laughs> he would, he did not react the way I wanted him to react. <sighs> Glutton so, for punishment. I, and I said, too. I said, Jim, because <laughs> now he would, he's Jim, right? So I said, Jim, how is it that you could have made that mistake given how much attention to detail was there before? And he said, last I checked, Titanic worldwide 
has grossed a billion dollars. Imagine how much more it would have grossed had I gotten the sky correct. <laughs> Kaboom! Man. Oh, I'm guessing that wasn't the reaction you wanted. Man, I, and my tail went between my legs. I There was nothing. I He just just called my stuff out right on the spot. And so I was quiet the rest of the, sort of quiet the rest of the meal, but I didn't bring up the subject again. Three weeks later, I get a phone call from some guy who says, hello, is this Dr. Tyson? I said, yes. He said, I'm, I forgot his name, Johnny Jones. I work post-production for Jim Cameron, and he's going to release a 10th anniversary director's cut, and he'll be adding new scenes, and he tells me, you have a sky he can use. It will, yes! Yes! It was like he shoots, he scores. It is good to be the king. <laughs> you see, and the lesson I get out of that is I need to get my own planetarium, oh. clearly. For real. Man. <laughs> Don't forget the wine. One of the yeah. triumphs, one of the few triumphs we can call attention to here. <laughs> so let's get to the ugly. The let's talk ugly. about ugly creatures, ugly aliens. How about Alien the movie? That uh, Tell me about that. Awesome flick. Now, my wife disagrees. She thinks it's really boring. But, you know, it's a different movie. It made in 1979. Well, so. tell me about the science. The, did you like the alien in that? I it thought was, the alien was so cool. It was creative. It wasn't just an actor in a, in a lizard suit. It, well, it was based on H.R. Giger drawings, and, and his stuff is so I knew creepy. that. <laughs> yeah. And so, oh, I see. The geek off starts again. No, no, go on. Uh, but, you know, it, it acid for blood. I can I can believe that. That would be an extraordinary defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, whether it could evolve naturally or not, I don't know. But, but how can is... something be growing inside of you and you not know it? Well, it was little. Oh, no, I don't know. Are you I don't know. serious? Excuse Only a me. man could make that statement. <laughs> Seriously? You know, no, so usually something sometimes can... you have a good six weeks before you actually know. Well, something <laughs> could be growing inside of you and I wouldn't know it. Okay. Yeah, I don't. So we're not even counting germs, fellas, viruses, diseases, nothing? You're full of germs. Isn't most of your most of your body weight? They're, or... they're, they're finding that some stupidly high fraction of your total body mass yeah. is, is microbes. Yeah. Not even you. It's they're, like they're, other creatures. And there are things that are almost visible to the naked eye living on your eyelashes. And, and I mean your eyelashes. Just mine. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> Although I, I, okay. I'm still a little stuck at that fact Wait. that you married a woman who doesn't like aliens. She I'm just thought it was slow. She prefers faster movies. Wait, wait, I can understand that. She's younger than I am. She's younger than I am. i got to get back to creatures growing inside you. So, Leanne, how many days before you know you're pregnant? Oh. What? You should ask me how many... What? You said you would know. You, there's time where <laughs> something could grow inside of you and you wouldn't know. How, how much time? I, I do not know. Because you haven't been pregnant yet. No. So you know, you're know more informed about this than either Phil or I. But we're still talking about growing things inside of a woman, and you don't know instantly. You're not, you're not your own pregnancy test. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that would be interesting. Like, it would Whoa, be. I got pregnant that second. Yeah, that would be interesting. It's like, whoops. Oh. Well, in the movie's defense, <clears throat> yes. um, uh, there is some evidence that the aliens were gen- genetically engineered. And, and in, in the Predator versus Alien movies and in the series of books, the, the Predators developed the aliens as the ultimate hunting game. Let's talk about Predator. How about Predator? What do you think of that? I enjoyed Predator as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the infrared vision and uh, coming to Earth to hunt people. And, but it was and still very that. humanoid. It had two arms, two legs, a torso, a yeah. head, and a neck. Well, I've talked to Seth, Seth Shostak. And, 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 and the dreadlocks, yeah. Um, uh, Seth Shostak, who was a, oh, this- an astronomer with the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, and I talked about this, and he actually feels that uh, the humanoid form is actually a pretty decent shape for an intelligent life form. Uh, I agree with him. I don't think it's the only one. And, I and smell we, bias. No. I, uh, I have a cocker spaniel. He has four legs. He's brilliant. <laughs> I see. <laughs> P- PhD in <laughs> cocker spanielism. 
All right. Uh, how about E.T.? Everyone said he was cuddly. I thought he was ugly as sin. That's right. And that whole neck thing freaked me the hell the, out this when extending I saw neck. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, any alien has glowing fingers and starts starts walking towards me with a finger glowing. Uh, you know, I'm of a certain age where I've gone to the doctor and they've walked towards me with a finger extended. Out of here. Gone. Yeah. There's so much more to talk about, but all good things must come to an end. You've been listening to Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. As always, keep looking up. <laughs>